today. Turn to John chapter 1, and uh, during the campaign I've, I've tried to preach clear messages regarding the gospel, and uh, because you never know how many visitors you might have and who doesn't know the Lord, and so the Lord put a thought on my heart here out of John chapter 1. And church, you can help me. Number one, you can pray for me this morning. I'm a little emotional, as you can see, so I need your help in that, and uh, you should always pray for the pastor, whoever steps in this pulpit. It's important, as Pastor Williams was saying today, we have a lot of ministries at Parkview, and all of them are important, but the preaching of God's Word is paramount. That's why we have the pulpit in the middle of the, the stage here, because the preaching of God's Word is number one, and we need to remember that. And so when we do things around here, we should not have other things take its place. This is, this is paramount. This is what we should focus on. Not me, but the pulpit and the preaching of God's Word. 
So, but pray for your pastor because there's certain times where it's difficult. The week's been difficult and so forth. And I want liberty. Whoever gets in the pulpit wants liberty, of course. And, and help me, help me as you're in the, respond, you know, and uh, kind of stay awake. That would help. And uh, my wife came home with jet lag last week and she was here Wednesday night and I watched her nodding off a few times. And, and uh, but bless her heart, she was up for 18 hours and she looks bright and cheery today. If you fall asleep today, hon, there's no excuses. Okay, so stay with me. But you help out the preachers and people don't realize you sit in church and a preacher's preaching and you're whispering. And you're correcting, oh, he said that wrong. How come he didn't read that right? You make little comments like you don't realize people around you are, they're focused and then they're listening to you or getting up of children or adults and taking, everybody's looking at them and no one's looking at the, listening to the preacher. It's, it's important. You have a part in praying and staying engaged and seeing what God may say to you, okay? So please help us out in those ways. I remember years ago, I had a couple nursing home ministries in New Hope, a little church I pastored in Indiana so long ago, but I would go and preach, and we had a lady in the nursing home. She was a Jehovah Witness, and whenever I talked about Jesus being God and talked about him being Savior, she would, she would sit there in her wheelchair, and she'd verbally say, no. She'd shake her head and say, no. And she did it every time that I talked about Jesus. But I say, you know, she didn't have it all together there, you see. And she was older. She's probably almost 100 years old. But, but, but she kind of carried on. It took everybody's attention. Listen, don't act like that in church. All right, you might not agree with preacher, but don't say no or I don't like that. You know, just keep it to yourself. And afterward, you can come by here and be a blessing and correct me if you want. A lot of people try to do that. But not, not during the preaching of God's word. Amen. Amen. So help me out today. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. The Bible says, again, the next day after John stood and, the, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Notice the exclamation mark. And the two disciples heard him spake, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the ninth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was, uh, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? He didn't have much of an opinion, a good opinion about that place, did he? 
And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. I want to preach this morning a simple thought here. Come and see. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your sweet spirit here today. Dear Holy Spirit, we need you. What we do will not come to, to pass in fruition unless you move and use it for the glory of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we look to you to help me preach. We look to you to help us listen and be engaged in what is being said from this pulpit. And I pray, Heavenly Father, you would be with all the other services going on right now, the children, the deaf ministry, and church. And we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have unction and freedom to do his work in hearts. And help me, Lord, I'm, I'm nothing. And Lord, let me be a vessel today used of you. Speak to the heart of those that are here today. Maybe some are among us today that know not Jesus, your son, as their Savior. I pray, God, that you would work in them. Let the word of God speak to them. Holy Spirit, draw them, I pray. And also, I pray that Christians that are here today may be following afar off, maybe not exactly where they ought to be with you. I pray, God, that you would speak to them as well. And Lord, the saints that are in right relationship with you, help them to enjoy your presence today in this service. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, I read this story, very familiar to us, about Philip. And in our text, Philip is a new convert to Christ. He hadn't been saved all that long. And he is very happy that he has found the one that the prophets foretold. He is happy that he now has met the one that Scripture had promised would come. And he's excited, and he wants to share this with someone else. He wanted them to enjoy meeting Jesus, and he wanted a, a, a dear one of his to hopefully believe on Jesus as the Christ. And so Philip goes and finds his brother. And I want to remind you something today. You got family members that know not Christ. Seek them out. Amen. Speak to them. Write them a letter. Definitely pray for them. Amen. If they don't know the Lord, hey, you're a witness to them. God has placed them in your life. They're your family. And here Philip goes and finds his own brother. I'm so grateful for my brother, uh, Brother Chuck. He's saved, and he got away from the Lord for a long time. But in those early days, he was such an influence in my life. When I was a boy, he took me, and I heard the gospel in Detroit at Reverend Hanner's church, Fundamental Baptist Church in Detroit. First time I ever heard the gospel. And that old man was preaching, and it, it spoke to me. I didn't know what you call it. It was conviction, but I didn't know what that was. I just knew it was happening in my heart. I heard the gospel. He took me a couple times because he couldn't date the girl he wanted to date unless he went to church with her. So I was the chaperone at like 11, 12 years old. And I wasn't a very good one because he'd pay me off to leave. And there was a good candy store on the way home, so I took the bribe, amen? But that's when I first heard the gospel. There's a little gospel church on the end of my street. We lived on Park, uh, we lived on uh, Plainview Street in Detroit, right off Evergreen near Schoolcraft. And uh, there was a little gospel church, and they had a sign on there about Jesus. And us boys would go over there, and we'd play ball against the building. We'd play strikeout, and we'd hit the ball. That, that aluminum siding of that church parking lot had all these pings and 
from us boys playing ball over there. And, and the old, I think, deacon would come out and chase us all away. And he'd say, boys, you're, you're, tearing, you're breaking windows and you're tearing up the building. Don't do that. And we'd say, yes, sir. And he'd leave. And when no church was on, we'd get back in the parking lot. We, we were brats. We were unsaved and we didn't know the Lord, but they were kind. But they tell us, finally they put a big old sign up there that said, positively no ball playing. But we didn't listen, as boys won't listen. But I remember some of them trying to speak to me about the gospel as a boy. And just little touches in my life. Amen. But I'll tell you what. Uh, thank God for those that seek others for Jesus Christ. Thank God for the people in your life that said, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Come and see if he's not who he claims to be. And so here we have, uh, we have Philip going out and trying to find his brother and give him the gospel. And that's what we ought to do. Amen. Uh, be specific about the message. The Bible says in Acts 20, 21, testifying both to the Jew and also the Greek, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So Philip knew Nathaniel intimately, of course, being his brother. And he knew he was a good man, but he still needed Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him. And he saith to him, listen, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now the word guile there means slackness or, or lacking or deceit or treachery or falsehood. Or being slothful or idle. And you know, in the eyes of his brother, and even Jesus said he was a good man, but he was lacking. He didn't have the Lord. There are a lot of people in this life that manward side, we look at and say, there's a good man, there's a good woman. Maybe they're good in many ways, but the Bible says there's no one good. No, not one. On the Godward side, God says there's none righteous, no, not one. There may be somebody here today and a friend invited you today or you were invited maybe from a complete stranger. Something was left on your door. You find yourself here today and maybe you don't know the Lord as your Savior. Listen, uh, somebody might say, well, you're a good person and you probably are. But cons considering what God thinks, there's none good, no, not one. We're all sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fall short of God's expectation. So we need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. And Jesus is the Savior. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Boy, there's a lot of that going on today in our world. No God. God doesn't exist. I don't need God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Verse 3 says, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. My goodness, as Christians, we have a hard time doing good. Let alone somebody who doesn't even know God. We're not good. Man is not good. Inside. We need a Savior. Psalm 53.3 says, Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, Preacher, isn't there somebody? Mother Teresa? Some monk somewhere? Some religious guru? No. 
The Bible's clear. None doeth good. Everybody needs a Savior. Romans 3 and verse 12, Paul wrote, They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Hey, how many times do we have to read this? I think that's sufficient. All through the Bible, none good, no, not one. All come short. So Philip here, he's got a good brother, but he's not good enough to be saved. He needs the Messiah. See, the Jews are all looking for the Messiah. The word Messiah means the chosen one. The anointed, that's what it means. And the Jews were looking for the Messiah to come and bring in the kingdom. But the Jews rejected their Christ, their Messiah. And then the Lord offered the gospel of Jesus Christ to us Gentiles that we might be grafted into the family of God. But Philip, he just come to know the Lord himself. He come to believe on Jesus, that he was the Messiah. And he says to Nathaniel, come, let me show you the one. And he said, come and see, come and see. In other words, he's saying, come see for yourself if, if he's not the fulfillment of Scripture, if he's not what the prophets have said, is he not the true Messiah? And so Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know. Pick a city that you think is all that, not that hot. Amen? I'm not going to pick on Detroit. <laughs> They're trying to bet. They're doing better. Amen? But think of some other city. I don't know. Some city in your mind, man, it is the pits. Uh, don't help me here. Uh, but in the thing is, can anything good come out of that place? Couldn't be the Messiah. And he said, come and see. Come and see. I'm telling you, saints, what we need to be more excited about and doing more than ever before. Come and see. Come and see the one who's done something for me. Come and see if this gospel doesn't change some lives. Amen. We ought to be willing to tell somebody, come and see Jesus. Not me, not our church. It's not the Baptist. It's not Parkview Baptist. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the real deal. He's the real thing. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. If you believe on him, he'll save your soul. Come and see. First of all, Nathaniel responded to the invitation to meet Jesus. Thank God somebody invited him. Maybe you're here today by invitation. Thank God somebody invited you. There have been times in my life somebody's invited me to something really good, and I got there and said, you know, I'm glad they invited me. I remember we had a Sunday school campaign when I was in, in Kenneville as pastor in Indiana, and, and, and the reward, Brother Steve, we should have done this, but the reward was you went out to dinner with Pastor Brown and Mrs. Brown. The one who won went to this big steakhouse on the edge of Michigan and Indiana. What was the name of that place, huh? Do you remember? But it was a good, let's, let's call it uh, Mel's, Mel's Diner, okay? Let's call it that. <laughs> and I had heard that they, they, they had a 32-ounce steak at this steakhouse. Everybody talked about it. People drove there a long way to get to this steakhouse. And that was the grand prize. And, and Bill and Alice Hart won, and, and, and I was so privileged to take them to that dinner. And we got there, and I'm telling you what, they had 32-ounce steaks. We all had 32-ounce steaks, but I didn't think about it. They had the salad bar, and they had bread, and they had, you know, the baked potato and the vegetable and the whole thing, and that's a whole lot of food. Now, folks, back then I was skinny. 
Patty, you remember when I was skinny? My sister-in-law sitting right there. Some of you people apart from you knew I was assistant Patty a year. How many of you remember when I was skinny? Raise your hand. All right, I remember. You wonder why I'm not skinny anymore. I went to Mel's Steakhouse too often. But we went to the Sunday school campaign, talk about Sunday school campaign, and, 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 and we went in there and got those 32-ounce steaks, and I'm telling you what, it was, a, it was all I could do to eat that thing. And I didn't realize, I mean, that's called gluttony, amen? And I ate that thing, and I didn't feel good. I'm coming out of, the, out of the restaurant, going over to the car with the hearts and my wife. I said, man, I feel terrible. And, and Bill lifts his bag up and says, you ate that whole thing? I said, yeah. And he goes, I got half it right here. Alice said, I do too. Pam said, I do too. <sighs> I, I, it was horrible. I went home sick. We should have those Sunday school campaign with the biggest steak. But anyway, maybe next one. This has been a good one. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, in this life, if we can ask somebody to come to a Sunday school campaign, saints, or to a, a banquet, or to a ball game, something the church is doing. Let church, everything we do around here ought to be soul conscious. Think of maybe inviting someone that doesn't know Jesus, and maybe they get around other Christians and think, hey, they're having a good time. And they, they seem to be thankful for church and the things of God in the Bible. Hey, let's take, let's take advantage of this stuff. But maybe you got invited today. I want you to know you got invited because somebody cares about your soul. Somebody wants you to hear the word of God. Amen. But in this text, we see a startled sinner. Because not only did he say anything good come out of Nazareth, he thought, well, how's this going to happen? But Jesus said, you know, when you were under the, the fig tree, I saw thee. And, and he says, when sawest thou me? You know, I believe at that moment the Holy Spirit was working in his heart because I don't know what he said under that tree or what he was thinking when he was under that tree. If he made some kind of prayer to God under that tree, I don't know. But when, when Jesus said, I saw you under that tree, he was startled. He thought, man, this guy ain't normal. And he began to think, could he be the Messiah? And Jesus then said, when I saw you under the fig tree and that got his attention, listen, this morning, you're here, all of us are here. Listen, God knows every one of us intimately. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what your heartache is today. He knows your concerns. He knows what you've been doing and nobody else knows. He knows what you've been thinking, and nobody else knows you've been thinking it. Hey, folks, we are sinners, even though you might be saved by grace. We're still sinners. No one perfect here. We all need Jesus. You're sitting in church today. I want to tell you, God knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. And you know what? In spite of that, he loves us anyway. But he was surprised that Jesus knew him. Jeremiah 12 and verse 3 says, But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried my heart toward thee. First Chronicles 29 and verse 17, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, has pleasure in them in uprightness. Acts chapter 15 and verse 8 says, And God which knoweth the heart, 
He know, now, we don't know our heart. So if I know my heart, you don't know your heart. Jeremiah says our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But the Lord knows your heart. In John chapter 3 and verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Folks, I'm glad that God knows me well. Are you glad God knows you well? Sometimes we say, I don't know, because I don't really want the Lord to know what I've been up to and what I've been thinking. What he already knows. But here's the greatest thing about our Lord. He loves us in spite of ourselves. He loves me in spite of my foolishness, in spite of my bad choices. My Lord loves me in spite of Steve Brown. But of course, he wants great fellowship with us. Isaiah 66 and verse 18, for I know thy works and God says their thoughts. It shall come to pass that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. Hey, there's coming a day when everybody's going to see Jesus for who he is in the kingdom. He's going to, they're all going to be bowing the knee and worshiping at the end. Amen. Even Satan. But there's coming a millennial reign of Jesus Christ and all the rejectors will see him in all his glory. But here Nathaniel, he realizes that Jesus knew him intimately by that, just that statement of, I saw you under that tree. So he was startled. Second of all, he was a converted sinner. Look at chapter 1. We read it. Look at verse 49. It says, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see great things, greater things than these. He saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. He got converted. He was startled, but now he's converted. He came to Jesus. He believed on Jesus. Amen. And I want us to understand something today. Many of us think that God only speaks in tragedy, that God only speaks in thunder, God only speaks in lightning, God only speaks in the storms, and he can speak in those instances. I think it's a smart, smart person that has some kind of thing go wrong in their life that says, Lord, are you speaking to me? I think it's a very foolish person that says some terrible thing can happen and they say, well, it's no big deal. What? But God doesn't always speak in the big things. Matter of fact, the Bible says he speaks in a still, small voice. In the midnight hour. When you're all alone under the fig tree, apple tree, orange tree. Almost said grape tree. That don't work. That's a vine. But listen, there are times of our lives we're all alone. We don't like to be alone. That's why we got the TV on. That's why the internet. That's why the cell phone. Because we're always busy. And some people stay busy because they don't want to hear the voice of God. Have you gotten to the place where you only hear the voice of God through thunder and lightning and hard, hardship and tragedy? That's sad. Let's hear his voice. The stillness. Softness. He'll speak. Nathaniel had a burden, or Philip had a burden for Nathaniel, and he said, come and see. 
Church, I'm so excited about this campaign. It's got to stir it up. That's what I wanted. Thank you, Brother Steve, and all the workers doing that. Really, Lori. Lori's done it all. But anyway, we'll, we'll give Steve some credit here. You know what God does in these Sunday school campaigns? In spring revival, Bible conference, tent meeting, he speaks. Sometimes he speaks loud like Jason Kendrick. Sometimes he speaks soft like old Dr. Noe used to. But he speaks. We ain't listening. Too many times we're not listening. God's trying to speak to someone's heart today. I'm sure of it. He's a startled sinner. He's a converted sinner. I like this one. He's a convinced sinner. Because he knew what happened under that fig tree with just him all alone but God. And it shook him up. I want to say something today. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe you came today. So I just happened to come. I'm just a visitor. I just wandered in here. I, I just thought I'd just come to church. I haven't come in a while. Good. Because I know God can speak to you. Amen. If you open up his heart. Nathaniel opened up his heart. God was speaking. He speaks to our conscience. He speaks to our heart. Here's something. He speaks to our soul. So my question this morning is, what are you waiting for? You looking for some big sign? Well, if I just had this happen, I know it would be God. Well, you want to get run over by a truck and then you'll listen to God? You want to get hit by lightning and say, oh, well, God's talking to me. Duh. What's it going to take for you to listen to God? You're looking for some kind of miracle? I don't say this. God knows you. And he knows where you're at today. And he knows what will move you. And he knows what won't. David said in Psalm 139 too, Thou knowest my, listen to this, my downsittings and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts for a fire. What does that mean? I go to bed at night. I'm so glad my wife's back. Praise God. I sat in that big old bed. She wasn't there. Couldn't put my arm around her like I normally do. I put my arm. She wasn't there. Put my arm. She wasn't there. Finally got a pillow. Put there. She wasn't there, but it helped. But now I can lay that next to her. It's just, it's just comfortable. It's home. Amen. And God speaks sometimes to me in the middle of the night. Does he, does he you? I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's the pizza I had that wakes me up. Sometimes it might be that chocolate piece of cake I had in the afternoon that wakes me up. But far more, there are times where God wakes me up. And he says, let's talk. Amen. He brings thoughts through my mind. He speaks to my heart. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? You see, God knows you. And he cares about you and he's working on you. And if you'll just listen, he knows you're down sitting, laying down. He knows you're uprising. You get up in the middle of the night or get up in the morning. Thank God you get up in the morning and you stretch and it's a new day. Praise God. He knows that. He knows everything about you. Amen. And he may just say, let's talk it over. But will you listen? I'm going to give you a few more things. Cut this thing short. I think you got my thought today. I want to say to some of you to consider, friend, listen, consider your soul. Consider your relationship with Jesus Christ. Consider your life. 
and what God's trying to do with your life. It might surprise you, maybe to some of you today, that you're a sinner. And you're in need of a Savior. For the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That word come short has the idea of somebody shooting an arrow at a target. And you, you, don't, even, you don't even get some of the outside rings. You don't even hit the target at all. So all your good works and all your righteousness and all your religious stuff you think is good, you're not even, you're, you're short. You're always short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5 and verse 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered in the world and death by sin. You know what that says? It says that our forefather, Adam, he sinned, and because he sinned, that's why we're in the mess we're in today. We're, we're from his line. He's our forefather. But the Bible is very clear. We're all sinners. You might be here today and say, that surprises me. I didn't know I was a sinner. Yeah, you're a sinner. The Holy Spirit, also is something we need to understand, can work in my heart as well as your heart and convince you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And then if you and I will allow the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit to convince us and speak to us, friend, you too can have faith in Jesus Christ. You can come to know. Here's what Philip said to Nathaniel. We found him. We found the Messiah. Oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. Friend, if you're here today and you're not saved, come see what we're talking about. Come at the invitation when we get, come to the altar. We'll take the Bible and show you. Come and see. Come and believe. Come and receive Christ as your Savior. And, and I'll promise you, you'll never get over that decision. And then God will put in your heart the confidence that you've met with God. You've done what was right. The Holy Spirit comes and abides in you, and he'll be your helper through the rest of your days. You don't have to fear death. My friend, Brother Don, passed away Friday morning. I don't think Don was expecting to go to eternity. He had not been feeling good, had some back issues. He had to have previous health problems that got dealt with, but I think he was expecting to go on. And then he had heart, congestive heart failure and fluid kept building up, and they couldn't get it off. And the next day they took him to the hospital and got all that off, giving them heart problems, and they couldn't get it off, and they couldn't get it off, and... And then Friday morning, he wasn't feeling good. And they sent for the ambulance and they brought the ambulance to the house and they got in there. He was in bad shape. And the, 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 those that worked on him said, Sonia, uh, Mrs. Sumter, he's in bad shape. We, we don't know if we can even move him. And they kept working him for two hours. They worked on that man just to get him in the ambulance to get him to the hospital. They finally got him in that ambulance to get him to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, Don went to glory. Now, I know Don, and I knew he knew the Lord, and he's with the Lord. But again, his poor family just lost their father, their husband, their church just lost their pastor. And I don't believe he was intending to go to glory on Friday morning. There's going to come a day you and I face something similar to that. Are you ready for eternity? You can be. By believing on Christ as your Savior. Amen? Throughout time, many have desired to see Jesus. Come and see, come and see. Many have desired to see Jesus. Some of the world's best people, manwardly, the prophets spoke of his coming. They looked for his coming. 
It was commonly known among Judaism that the Redeemer of Israel was coming. Everybody at that time hoped that he came in their lifetime. We're looking for the second, we're looking for the rapture, amen? And I've always wanted it to happen in my lifetime. I'm not really excited about dying. I know to be asking the body's present with the Lord, but I'm not excited for the big one. I don't want to go through cancer. I don't want to go through a brain aneurysm. Nobody wants to do that. Naturally, we want to live our life. But there's coming a day, except for the rapture, that we're going to face eternity. And I've heard about the prophets, and I've heard about the scripture, and I've heard that he's coming, and I'm looking for the coming of Christ. I'm looking looking for the rapture of the church, the catching away. I think that's going to be awesome. Out of here. I am what I am. One day, I'll be skinny again. I'm looking for that day. Amen. The patriarchs desired to see him. Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, countless others. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 11, 13, these all died in faith. They died in faith, believing that he would come. The prophets desired to see him. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 10 uh, tells us that. Listen, he says, um, 1 Peter 1, 10 it says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, uh, who uh, prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. The Hebrews, their leaders, their patriarchs, their priests, their prophets, they all looked for Christ to come. For time, just in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was born, and after a few days, eight days, they, they went into the temple. To, to, to present him before the Lord. And there was an old man in there named Simeon. Look at it later. Aged man named Simeon. And he prayed. He was a good man. He prayed every day to Jehovah God that he would see the Messiah come. And God said something to him one day. God says, you're not going to die till you see him. God said to Simeon, he said, you're not going to come till you see the consolation of Israel. And after Jesus was born, eight days later, they take him in to, 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 to worship and to and to consecrate him unto God. And when they went in there, there's old Simeon, that old faithful man working in the church house, in the temple, and he sees that baby. He takes Jesus in his arms, his old feeble, shaky arms, and he lifts him up and says, oh, praise God, I have seen the consolation of Israel. God said, you're not going to die until you see him. And he saw him, and then that old man went, to glory. That's exciting. Hey, I want to see the Lord in the rapture. But if I don't, that's okay too. Whatever God wants. But I'll tell you what, my friends. All kinds of people were looking to see him. And here's what Philip teaches us. Let's go to our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our friends. Our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our nieces, our nephews, and say, Come and see. Come and see if Jesus is not the Christ. Come and see if He will not change your life. Come and see if He will not show Himself real to you. Amen. And I'll bypass. I'm bypassing. But I want to say this, and I'll be done. The contrast of those that desire Him to come and those who don't. 
Look at verse 41 of our text. I promise. I got more points, but I'll, I'll quit. John chapter 1, verse 41. It's only, hey, it's only uh, 11, not even 40 yet, folks. It's early. You, you'll be getting out early today. As long as you listen good. John chapter 1, verse 41. Let's look, look, look. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. So this is John finding his brother. You know, they worked in the fishing business together. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following of Jesus would go forth unto Galilee, and he findeth Philip, and Philip saying unto him, Follow me. He saith unto Philip, Follow me. And Philip was a Bethsaid in the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, I want you to see that there's family here reaching family. But there's a contrast. Throughout the Bible, there's a contrast of those who are prepared and looking for him. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28 says this, So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There are Christians today looking for him. Are you looking for him? I am. But sadly, there are those that are not looking for him. They're not prepared for him coming. And let me read that. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 15. These words. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and in the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's beyond me. We that know the Lord, we're all looking for him to come. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But there are people in this world don't want him to come. Maybe sitting in here today, you don't want him to come. This world does not want to receive Jesus Christ. That's a dirty word in there thinking Jesus. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about church. Don't talk to me about the gospel. I don't want to hear it. You know him. I know him. There's a contrast. There's some that want him to go, oh, Lord, I love you. I can't wait till you come. And there's those that I don't want to hear it. That's a sad contrast. There's coming a day they'll say, here's what they, they'd rather have the rocks to fall on them than for them to fall on their knees and worship Jesus. That's crazy. Hear me out. If you're here today and you know not Christ, it is my job as a Christian, your job as a Christian, to tell them, come and see. Come and see. But friend, I want to tell you something. Although they have done their part getting you here, and I've tried to do my best in preaching the truth to you. It's really up to you. Some will call. Psalm 55, 16, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. But some will not. Proverbs 1, Then shall they call on me, and I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but I shall not be found. See, God says in his word, there's a time to come. 
And I don't know when it is, but there's a time where God says, okay, I've called, I've called, I've called. I've given you the truth. I spoke to you through preachers, through the reading of God's word. I spoke to you so, so many times, but you kept saying no, no. And God said, that's it. He draws a line. I'm not the one who draws a line. He's the one who draws a line. So how do we know? Remember when the ark, the flood was coming and, and, and the people didn't believe the preaching of, of, of uh, Noah? Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. 120 years he's building that ark. Nobody believed, nobody believed. And then the, then the rain came. Then the floods came. And God opened up the bowels of the earth. And it, there was a worldwide flood. And then those people were getting to the high places and getting to the trees, getting as high as they could. And it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And they're thinking, we're going to perish. They're trying to hold their children up so they don't flood. And, and it was just horrible. And they're pounding on the door. Let us in. Let us in. Noah, let us in. We believe now. But I want to remind you of something. Noah didn't close that door. The Bible said God shut the door. Read it. God shut the door. There's coming a day. There's somebody here today. God's going to shut the door on you. But he loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to come in. Ark's the type and picture of salvation in Jesus Christ. He wants you to come to Christ. But it's up to you. Contrast here, some people say, come on, Lord, come. Others say, no, I don't want you. Which one are you? Quit playing games with your soul. So you come to church. God, I've come to church, preacher. That, it's not church. It's not Baptist church. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart that he is the Savior. That he died for you and you must call upon him. You must say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Save my soul. That's up to you. Don't think you're going to go to God's heaven because you come to church. Don't shake my hand every Sunday and say, that was a good message. When you know in your heart you don't know God. He's going to shut the door, friend. Come when you can. And the rest of us that are saved, we've got to keep saying, come on. Come and see. Come and see. Let's bow our heads if we would every head bow. Quit playing, quit playing with your soul. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul. There's a young person. There's an adult. I don't know. There's a visitor. There's somebody who comes to church for a long time. Quit playing with your soul. Get saved. Get right with God. Church.